Hey, hey there, everybody. We are in our, I don't even know, fourth week, fourth week of our Money Mindset Month. And go back and check out the other people, folks. If you are looking for a little bit of money inspiration, some you know education around how to use your money or how to break through, through those limiting beliefs, this is the group of episodes for you. But without further ado, I am going to jump in with the incredible Christina Wise. Let's go. Ever found yourself teetering on the edge of throwing in the towel? You know, asking yourself questions like, is this supposed to be this hard? Or is it even possible to succeed at this entrepreneur thing? I completely get it because I built my successful businesses while juggling major health issues for my children and myself, debt piling up to my eyeballs and so much more. Want to know how the hell I succeeded and how you can too? Tune in to find out. Here we go. entrepreneurs. I am so excited to have you here today with me. This is going to be an amazing episode as a continuation of our Money Mindset Month. I am really excited to welcome Christina Wise to the show. Let me give you a little bit of background about this fabulous person. So she is a real estate mogul, a millionaire coach, and creator of several multi-million dollar businesses, including Good Life Luxury, The Paperless Agent, and Wealthy Wealthy. She is an international speaker and author of the Amazon bestseller, Falling for Money. I love this. A romance novel for your bank account. She is named one of the hundred most influential real estate leaders in the country and has been featured in USA Today as well as by Apple, Contactually, and Evernote for her creative leadership and emerging technology technologies. Christina, thank you so much for being here with me today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for the invite. Happy to be here. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be a great conversation, but let's, let's just start at kind of where the intersection of that health and wealth began for you. So give folks an idea of your backstory, you know, the health issues, kind of what your journey was to bring you to, to today. Yeah. You know, we all have our windy roads and our life stories and our journeys and and my money, my money story and money journey started, you know, with all of us, it, you know, basically we're born into our family and I started in a trailer home and, you know, we, we didn't have anything and we, I mean, it wasn't even a double wide, it was a travel trailer and somebody else's <laughs> lot that gave us, you know, allowed us to put it there. So growing up, I had a lot of shame around money because we didn't have any And that stayed with me for a long time. And it made the good side that came out of that. It it forced me to be very entrepreneurial young age, because once I was old enough to figure out I can make money on my own, I could start buying things that would make me be accepted. So once I had the right clothing and, you know, could pay to, you know, go to different things and all of a sudden I was included. So as a kid, the programming I got was as long as you have money and you can buy things, you can be accepted. So you think about that type of message that was really planted through, you know, anecdotal experience just through my own. It's not like it was taught to me. It was experienced through that. So that sent me on my own journey that, okay, I've got to make money on my own. I've always been a moneymaker. Making money has always been very easy. Put myself through college and coming out of college, I got into real estate sales and 
and I'm, I'm a hard worker, you know, all of those things and very motivated to make money. I mean, the biggest thing I was so motivated to make money because that was my story. Like as long right, as I was, was a lot of money like in your, in your subconscious, essentially, right. Exactly. Your, your running story. Yeah. And that's all it was just motivated to make money. And it, and kind of with the background belief that, you know, subconscious belief that I could be accepted. And then two, just that, you know, money makes you happy because not having money made me very unhappy yeah. as a kid and made my parents very unhappy. I mean, they fought yeah. about money all the time. Like there's never enough. So anyway, that worked very well. I made a very high income. I was top in sales like year over year in kind of my late twenties and early thirties. And it appeared to be working. And what does a poor kid do that didn't have money, but now has kind of won the income lottery. Well, I bought everything, every payment. Mm-hmm. I could buy to, you know, so I had the house, I had the cars, I had the purses, I had the shoes, I had everything. And it, it looked like it worked until I found myself divorced, single mom, two babies. And I was the primary wage earner. And so the courts gave me the tax liens and the credit card debt and a lot of debt that I didn't even know existed. Why? Because even though I was good at making money, all I did was give it to who I was married to I was terrified of it. I just thought as long as I make it, there'll be no money problems, even though we fought about all the time. So that became a big awareness to me is that all of a sudden now I am single mom, can't pay my bills. And the only way, you know, we moved out of the big house, two-story house in the suburbs. Now we're in a teeny tiny wood side of a crappy duplex in a bad part of town. because that's all I could afford. And the only thing that got us by was my colleagues at work pitched in and paid the electricity bills for six months and brought out furniture and, you know, used furniture and towels and filled the fridge and which was so generous. Like we couldn't have, we couldn't have gotten by. I just wouldn't have been able to make it if it wasn't for that generosity at the same time. There was that childhood shame again, so ashamed that I couldn't even feed my own babies that I had to take handouts and charity in order to survive. So that was my big first money intersection where I just, once I got over like my pity party and just the fear and terrified, you know, I was just terrified, total financial existential despair. I didn't know like, how am I going to be a single mom and work like I used to work and, you know, make money. And anyway, ultimately I figured it out, but that intersection was me asking this question, how the hell did I make so much money? I mean, I was top sales year over year. I'd make more money in a year than my parents would ever make in a lifetime. How was it that I made all that money and I was dead broke with a couple hundred thousand dollars 20 years ago of debt and tax liens? And I couldn't figure it out. Like it just didn't make sense. And so that was that piece. It's like, I never want to be here again. I resolved never to be here again. And so that sent me on this journey to learn money. And I just stood on the shoulders of giants and just learned from true wealthy people. And the first like takeaway there is that, you know, I believe that most of us believe, because I believe that the answer to all of our money problems is to make more money. And so we work harder. We try to get a second gig, you know, whatever that is. But it's like the answer to all my money problems is I just have to make more money. And that is the biggest, fattest lie there is, because you don't have to make a lot of money and build wealth. And that's what wealthy people know that, that, that not everybody else does is that how rich you are, how wealthy you are has little to do with how much income you make. 
Right. So you can't income your way out of your, you know, solving your money problems. You just, it's a completely different strategy. So that sent me on that journey to build wealth. Like what is this wealth game and how do you play it? And how is it different than what everybody else is doing and what I had been doing? So that was that first thing. Now to answer your question, that sent me on this, what I call the second phase of my money journey. And granted, now I knew to build wealth and not just focus on income. And I did a good job over that, over almost you know a decade of just learning, building wealth, building my portfolio, building businesses. And it's funny, even when you listen to my bio, it's all about my accolades about, oh, my multi-million dollar businesses, which is great because that sounds sexy. Mm-hmm. What doesn't sound so sexy is my multi-million dollars of net worth on my, on my balance sheet right. that creates all that passive income because that's right. a different game. But if I put that in my bio, it, 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 it's not as shiny. Don't. It's if not people, as shiny, right? And if people don't understand what, because I know what the difference is between building wealth, like you said, you can make income all day. But that this is exactly a great example of why people hit the lottery and then they go broke within like a month or two, because it's a whole different mindset shift to build wealth than it is to make income. But yeah, you're exactly right. If you put that on your bio, people who don't aren't even there yet aren't going to get it. No, they wouldn't listen. They'd be no, like, they oh, whatever, we'll pass like, over that, balance right? Balance sheet. <laughs> 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 no, that sounds boring. That sounds like accounting. Yeah, exactly. But no, you know, what you have is very sexy, but I think it's also a very smart road to reach people. Yeah, well, that's funny. Like my whole public identity during this that time was all these real estate accolades, like nationally, I was leading nationally in everything. My businesses, yeah. my technology, And that's what everybody saw, but privately I was building my wealth. And so that's the difference, like income and business success and even entrepreneurships, you know, that feels really good getting all that glory. And, but that's, again, that's all business and income. That's that top line. That's all that ego and that identity, which is fine, but wealth is very private people that have wealth. You don't know it. You can't see it because it's not showy. You know, and that's the difference is that you don't really know who has wealth because it is a private affair as opposed to business is a public affair, business and identity. So that's another little takeaway there is that it's fine to have the public identity and build that and build the businesses and the top lines. But privately, if you're if you don't have a balance sheet and you're not working on building wealth, then, you know, there's a disconnect. You really need both. You know, it's it's kind of a tandem bicycle. But anyway, in that journey of almost a decade, granted, I was building wealth and had assets and, you know, didn't have any debt or getting, you know, building out of all the the debt, you know, just um, real estate wise, so on and so forth. But I was still in that chase of more money. So what I did, because I still attached to that narrative, that subconscious narrative that the more money I have, the more about the more worthy I am. And so everything, no matter what rung of ladders of success I got to, I didn't feel anything different and it was never enough. And ultimately what I did is I just ran my body in the ground. I just pushed all the time. My lifestyle that I had was unsustainable and I tried to be perfect at everything Mm -hmm. and be everywhere. And I just got really sick. And so what happened on my deathbed of like two years fighting is so many lessons, but the biggest lesson that came out of that, well, a couple lessons is one that money's more important than anything. If I didn't have the wealth, I couldn't work. My businesses were crumbling, you know, yeah. I, they lasted for a while, but the longer it went on, those were going down. So that was gone. 
But, you know, I had, I had liquid assets and had other assets I could sell, but, you know, I used all my health to build my wealth. And now I was using all my wealth to get my health back. But the money was so important that I wouldn't be here today. If I hadn't learned those wealth principles and had money and assets that I could cash in to buy my health back. And most people don't have that opportunity because insurance didn't cover my type of illness. You know, it was, it was all functional medicine and, and, you know, and I had to learn a totally radically different way of being healthy. Yeah. So yeah. that was the, my body was my number one asset. It's like, we have to take care of it. So that was that intersection of like being in that external worthiness game and in the chase and having to try to fit in and try to be important and caring what everybody else thinks that is no, no matter how much money you make in the back of our mind, we think when we have that much money, then I'll feel different. It just goes on forever. Yeah. And you'll just feel like, you'll just feel like crap, but your bank account will look okay Yeah, <laughs> until yeah, exactly. it doesn't because it will inevitably retreat back to, to baseline. It, it, exactly. And even no matter how much it is, then you're comparing yourself to someone that has more than you do, yeah. you yeah. know? So it's like never enough. Like there's a never enough number that keeps you in the rat race. Right. And so that was that big awareness is that money's more important than anything, but it's not about the money because then I'm still dealing and coping with so much guilt that I just wasn't around enough, so much shame that, you know, and just so much regret. The regret was horrific. Then yeah. I'm like, God, here I am dying. I haven't even lived yet. Yeah. I was always in the future. I was always caring about the next thing. I was never present. I was never in life. Right. Because I was so motivated that happiness was out there somewhere, my future in somewhere in the future. Right. So that really, that was the turning point for me is that just these realizations is that, you know, yeah, money matters, but it doesn't matter the way I thought it mattered. And now money's a byproduct of living well and money's to serve the cost of underwriting a good life, knowing how much it costs to live a good life. How much does it cost to live your good life? How much money's enough? Exactly. How much money is too much? Like these are numbers we can answer yeah. because there is a too much number for, for most people. We don't think so, but there is like too much money can cause a lot of problems. You know, rich people have just the same or bigger problems than everybody else. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like, you know, money doesn't buy your problems away. And that's, you know, that's what brought me here now is like, oh my God, there's just all these money mindsets and principles that so are so deeply so deeply profound that if we can learn them, money can at least be a non-issue in our lives, you know, in our quest to live a joyful, fulfilling, happy life, you know, with good relationships and good health and, you know, knowing how much money's, you know, good enough to sustain that. Yeah. And I think people underestimate, people vastly underestimate the stress of no money will bring you. (laughs) Speaking from example, from experience rather, you know, and and I think people do not do the work to reflect back to, to your point, those older value sets that are still running on a script on, you know, repeat and driving your actions, whether or not you know it or, or not, you know, so for, but I also love the fact that you say quality over quantity, right? Because I think our society is kind of gauged to, like you said, your, your first stage, the cars, the purses, the stuff right? Whereas you initially will, you will eventually hit that point where you're like, wait a minute, external validation still doesn't feel right. And if you don't get to the point of understanding that's internal validation and fix that needs to happen, you're just going to stay on the same hamster wheel, right? Yeah. And it's, it's also too, like when we get out of that game, life is just so much simpler. 
Yes. We don't have to keep yeah. up with the Joneses. Like try exactly. to keep up with the Joneses is stressful, yeah. exhausting, and caring, but giving a damn what other people think. And yeah. But we're conditioned categories of life by the age like eight to ten. Yeah. And so all exactly. those money narratives and what we saw our parents do with you know, I say like if you're gonna take a little time, here's an exercise. One, there's a few exercises. One is just take a guesstimate. How much money is enough? Exactly. It's a philosoph- it's equally philosophical as well as practical. And it's work mm-hmm. that very few people do. And when you can start getting in line with that number, it really changes things. It, it creates a new lens to see, you know, your finances through and your financial life through. But that's one thing, like how much is a good life? I mean, just to be clear, like that is different than like, let's set your revenue goals and like all of that. Like those are different things, correct? <laughs> yeah. You reverse engineer into it. And so when you know how much money's enough, and it's also understanding that during our working years, when we're younger, we're working hard, we have a lot of energy and stamina and, you know, it's different, we, it's different right? And so we're, during our working years, we're working for our current self, meaning our current month to month, year to year, as well as our future self. Mm-hmm. because there's going to be years where we don't want to work at all, or we don't want to work as hard as we do now. So right. you have to know the numbers. It's like, how much is my good enough number that let's just say that's a hundred thousand dollars a year. Well, that's a hundred thousand dollars. That's going to be our lifestyle today. Mm-hmm. But when we aren't working or working as hard, we don't want that hundred thousand to go down. Right. So when you quit working, where's that hundred thousand dollars a year going to come from? And it seems pretty obvious, but it's not obvious because we're just working hard and paying our bills. So it's really thinking of like the day I quit working or want to quit working because I'm just tired and just want to be out of the grind. Where is that same hundred going to come from? So that's why during our working years, we have to create that future trust fund for our future self that has a day for the most part that we can determine when we can go from working to non-working and our income doesn't change it change. And that's when our work, it goes from working income to non-working income. And the only way to do that is to have a trust fund that either your parents or grandparents set up for you. That means they set up assets that, you know, that you live off the the interest or you build your trust fund that you're going to live off of, which is assets, which you live off the income. So that's that first thing. And then you reverse engineer into it. So if you, And it's just easy math. Like you can do this with just a simple Google compounding calculator, a reverse compounding calculator and an Apple calculator on your Apple phone. I mean, it's that simple. But if you multiply your um, $100,000 times 20, that's $2 million. So that basically means you have a $2 million gap if you have zero net worth. And so that, and these are just some kind of rule of thumb money numbers that, that you can research and understand why I would use these numbers. But let's say it's $2 million. So now we can put that into a compound calorie. That means I have zero net worth today, but if I'm making you know, 100, that, or my lifestyle costs, costs me 100,000, I want it to stay the same. I need $2 million for that future self. We put some numbers in, and then it would boil down like this. You would, um, once you put it all in the calculation, it'd be like, okay, I need to put $2,800 a month away. Mm-hmm. For 20 years, like a 10% interest on average, and I can't miss a payment. And if I put that $2,800 a year away, invested 10% for 20 years, I'll have $2 million. Right. So that means however you manage your money, it means not only do you have to 
pay for all your bills every month. You have to add taxes and that $2,800 on top of it, right? So we're reverse engineering into these numbers. So now that you, so now, you know, it's not a guessing game because you, you know, how much money is enough. And it's basically, you know, um, uh, for it's a million dollars for every 50,000, if you're pulling out 5%. Right, so right. that's, so that's that number. Now, if you do the math and you calculated $2,800 a month times 20 years, however many, mm-hmm. 240 months, I think that is, that would equal 672,000. So that means you were diligent. You didn't miss a payment exactly. and you only saved $672,000. So here's another myth. We think we can income through our business, like our business can make us rich, or we think we can save, even if we're good at saving can make us rich. Only investing makes you rich because that hard diligent savings only equaled 672,000, but you have $2 million in the bank. So where'd the other $1.3 million come from? That was your money making money through compounding. So your money outperformed your 20 years of hard work and savings mm-hmm. two to one. Yeah. That's why you have to invest because your money is going to outperform you two, by two to one. You can't, you can't earn your way to wealth. You invest your way to wealth. Exactly. And what that means is you have to have enough earnings and you can't spend everything you make if you want to have that future self-income. But mm-hmm. now we go from that and let's just say that, you know, that we need a hundred and let's say, let's say we need $150,000 a year of working income now to make sure we have our 2 million, we hit our $2 million gap in the future. Mm-hmm. It allows us to live off a hundred thousand dollars on our lifestyle today, plus taxes, plus let's say that 2,800. Right. And let's just pretend it's 150. That means we need $150,000 profit from our business a year. Profit. Year. I want to, I want to emphasize that as yes. profit folks. Profit. <laughs> that's take home. And now on top of that, okay, what are my expenses and burn rate for my business that's going to be required to generate profit? So how much revenue? And let's just say it's, uh, let's just pretend to keep the math easy. I have a 10% profit margin, which would be low, but let's just say it's 10%. That means I need a million and a half dollar top line revenue business to bring home $150,000 to make sure I pay myself $150,000 to be able to pay taxes on that and cover that $2,800 a month, live on the $100,000 left over, sweep that money and invest it over the 20 years. And when I hit that $2 million, now I've got my trust fund built and I don't have to work so hard. So really the math is that simple. When we know these numbers, it takes so much of the financial anxiety out of the equation in conflict and it can get couples on the same page. They know what they're working towards. They have these agreements or if you're single and especially for women, it's like, we can own our own financial power. We can own our own numbers. We can build our own financial sovereignty. We can, we can do this and feel very confident and money is such a confidence builder. It is. And now we can even feel more secure, single or in our marriages and investing is not difficult once we get to that stage, but we need to get these other things in order first. Yes. So it's just understanding that when we take the, the ambiguity and just these guessing numbers, it's like, oh, I think I want a million and a half dollar business. It's like, why? Where what does that mean? That right, exactly. Yeah. So that's it's, just it. Yeah. It's, just, it's, just getting, it's just getting good with your numbers. And then once you know it and you're on that trajectory, like 80% of any financial anxiety or stress or fear just is right off the table. Right. And it's, it's much bigger than it. What drives me a little insane is when I hear other coaches or other kind of professionals 
you know, boil it down to, well, just shoot high with your goal number, like all of this stuff. And to your point, you can also, well, number one, I think if you want to make a million dollars, what is the true bottom line number, right? Because that's, you know, that is not sans expenses necessarily folks. And a lot of entrepreneurs aren't looking even at that necessarily. And then on top of that, you know, like you said, you could be putting money away every single month, but if you're not being smart with it, you know, and letting it work for you, then you're still not going to hit that number. So it's, it's not enough just to say, set your dreams or whatever, you know, kind of that hypothetical stuff. You have to know the numbers and also before that do the mental work to accept those numbers. <laughs> and then to your point, don't be scared of them because it's just energy to energy. That's kind of how I'm starting to look at money as well, right? Like it's just, it is just energy. It has no kind of power over you, no here, there, negative, whatever. It's just energy, right? Yeah, money is many different things. It, I The way I look at it, it can be energy. Mm. It's not mm. like water can be energy, but right. it's not energy if it's just sitting there. Sitting there. Exactly. So, but it can be great force and energy. So money's very similar that money has to be moving to, right. to have energy. And it, it, once it's moving, it's energetic in the sense that it can move from your bank account to the banks, to the credit card and the credit cards are using that. And they're turning that into an energy factor to create billions of exactly. you know, net worth on their balance sheet. Mm-hmm. But we're losing, we're giving that energy away. It's just like letting the electricity pass through our house and just go to somebody else's. And then right. it, it gets to, you know, light up their mansion. So we want to capture, we want to use the energy to create our own momentum, to build our own wealth. But mm-hmm. you can't just let it pass through your household, to the credit card companies and to the mortgage companies and the student loan companies. Every single payment, here's another just a little uh, nugget is, that you can't have personal consumer debt and build wealth at the same time. You're either paying interest or collecting it. So you want to move from being a borrower to being a lender, from being a consumer to being the banker. And again, we're just, we're in a culture that this is so naturally the way things are that we can't imagine owning a house without a a mortgage. We can't imagine having a car without a car payment. We can't imagine having an education without a student loan. We can't remember, imagine having a credit card without a balance. It's so normalized. Right. But when you look at another, you know, exercise that people do is, is count up all the interest you're paying. You can do it with your mortgage and without your mortgage. Yeah. All the interest you're paying on a monthly basis and 30, the average is is 33% of all um, monthly income goes towards interest payments. 33%. Wow. 33. That's one third. So how are you going to build wealth when you're living off two thirds and one third is interest payments alone? So that one third of your income you're giving to the banks, that's 33%. You're giving to the banks in, 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 in interest that's compounded. Why aren't we taking that same one third and putting it into growing our wealth? Like, yeah. we're, you know, why to buy a lifestyle? But again, we have to just know these numbers and, and completely change them around. And it sounds like it comes, it comes full circle to what we were speaking about before with, cause you just said to buy a lifestyle, 
mm-hmm. right? It's very much to buy the keeping up with the Joneses. It's a, it's a very, you know, from a business perspective, it's a very smart business plan for the people get, getting the money, right? <laughs> because they keep saying like, you have to have the latest thing. You have to do this. You have to do that. And if you don't, therefore you are not enough. So therefore they spend more and around and around we go. But we forget, especially as women, especially as women, that we have that power to do the same thing just on an internal level. Um, so I guess my question for you is for folks who, because I know I can hear some of some of my girlfriends in particular, her entrepreneurs I know will be listening to this and they're like, oh shit, right? Like they're having that like, because they know they're in debt, they know where they are. So what what is kind of your recommendation potentially on like that first step to start moving towards that other way of thinking? Yeah, well, it's, it's, there's a few different things is one is to understand that like 87%, which is almost 90%. So 87% of entrepreneurs making over $150,000 are still living paycheck to paycheck. Gross. And, and most are in debt building their business. Right. So, I mean, and there's, we're even almost in this culture now that if you're not an entrepreneur, like, who are you? You're doing something wrong. You're not living your purpose and your passion, you know? Yeah. So there's shame you know, on it. There's a lot there's of shame. shame on it. Right. Yeah. And the, like being an entrepreneur is all this glorious thing. And, you know, I've always been one. So it's but, very black listen, and white. I, <laughs> I have worked my ass off. I've made many mistakes, lost lots of yeah. money. You know, it, it's not been a straight line by any means. No, me. no. But the biggest thing when it comes, I mean, entrepreneurs, because we're not taught money, there's two pieces of money. There's three pieces of money. There's the earnings and you either earn, however you earn your money is where you earn your money. You can earn your money by being a business and an entrepreneur. You can earn your money by working in a job. Yep. It's still just earnings. There's right. no better way, right way or wrong way. No, just, it's just whatever, whatever your way is, whatever exactly. your way. <laughs> the second place is how we spend our money in our household. And then the third way is how we invest our money. So there's these three categories of money that we need to get good at. But entrepreneurs, the reason it's very difficult for entrepreneurs to build wealth. And so very few do. And again, it's nothing we hear that, you know, it's probably like, wait, what is, I thought I was an entrepreneur to build wealth. Because the belief is, again, these are just kind of, beliefs that we have that are false, but we're just, we just carry them, require them or carry them. But like I said before, it's to believe that building a, being an entrepreneur and building a business is the way you build wealth. Right. And that's false. Exactly. Our business is just an income making machine. And the number one job, if you declare yourself as a business owner, CEO, the number one job that nobody ever tells us, because there's no small business entrepreneurial school for us to go to exactly. or money school, your job as a CEO of your business is to generate profit, right? Profit period. End of story. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So all anybody that says build, you're nobody. If you don't have a six figure business or seven figure business or eight, that's all bullshit, right? Just profit. Profitable business. And how much profit? Is it the 150 we talked about? So then your business strategy is all about knowing the numbers about how to create $150,000 profit. But that's the mindset. Right. You reverse engineer into how much revenue, but you have to know it's always about profit. But, you know, top line's ego. 
Yes. Bottom line is truth. Right. And the truth is very few entrepreneurs are able to make enough money bottom line to carry over to do, you know, to do, to, you know, have enough money to spend and build their wealth. Yeah. But, it's, but that's the first takeaway is to know that our business is not a wealth making machine. It's an income making machine. So the better we are at business and the better we are at a CEO and the better we are at growing our profit, that means we can pay ourselves more. Yeah. But we want to pay. Yeah. Sorry. I want to, I just want to jump in because I think oftentimes people say entrepreneurship, you've got the money freedom that comes with entrepreneurship, but I like the fact that you're just making a distinction between income generation again and wealth creation. Cause those are two very different things. And oftentimes they're pitched to entrepreneurs or people wanting to live the entrepreneurial lifestyle as the same thing. But to your point, they are, they are not, you have to, you have to have your eye on the prize of profit first. And then building wealth is like, kind of, like you said, that last category in there as well. Yeah. And so, you know, I'll just give a story. Uh, so, the, and I work with entrepreneurs to help them rewire all this and start right. becoming a wealth generator, not just an income generator okay. by understanding these principles, doing some simple math and just reworking their business structure. You know, they do their business strategy. I help will build the business financial structure structure. If you don't have a financial structure, you don't know your balance sheet. You're not running your PMLs. You don't know your numbers. You're not a business owner. Exactly. You yourself. Business yep. is money. That's hobby. That's an expensive hobby at that point. An expensive hobby. Right. So, you know, I'll use a, a recent client that she's a very typical story, but her name was Kristen. And she has a, um, her business made like three years in about half a million dollars. Mm-hmm. And so actually more than that, it's like six fifty. And she was teaching others. Her business was teach others how to launch their business, how to do these online launches. Right. And she huge identity and reputation. She's young. She's cute. She's um, smart. Right. She's doing this. And, but she came across my work. And so we had this private conversation. She said, man, like, why am I so stressed about money all the time? So we went through and just, you know, she went through my program and we did the work and what she, the, the realization is, is she wasn't making any money. Mm-hmm. And, but she was living like, she's like in a lot of money because yeah. she went from like zero. So now she's making $650,000. She sees the money coming in and that's the only thing she's watching. Right. And now she's living her lifestyle out of her business. So she's able to write off her rent and she's re- mm-hmm. able to do these trips and masterminds and travel. And she's writing it all off on her business. And at the end of the day, her profit was maybe $10,000. Right. right. Now, granted, she had a lot of lifestyle expenses in there. And then the follow-up question, you know, the follow-up question is like, well, why, if I can write all this stuff off, why wouldn't I run it through my business? I'm like, okay, well, you live a life lifestyle, but where's the wealth? Where's the opportunity for wealth? Like, you're not going to sell this business. It's all built around you. Exactly. So the the reason why we need to keep our personal and business separate, because it's to remember business is all about profitability. It's to be the CEO. It's a good steward of the business's money for profit. We move that profit out of our household because if she moves $10,000 out of her business to her household, she's been living off most of her bills, her personal bills in her business. Where's the money to take off the top to generate towards wealth? There will never be any. And that's the entrepreneurial trap. 
You live your high fluting lifestyle through your business. You're doing the travel and it looks really good and glorious, (laughs) but every single month you have to go do it again. Yeah. And there reaches a point where it's burnout and it's tired. And you're wondering like, where's all the money? I've worked so hard. I've generated millions of dollars and I have nothing to show for it. Yeah. And that's, and that's the entrepreneurial trap. So again, when you get out of that game, you simply know these numbers and you put these three systems to work. Now we're on the wealth strategy, which is, again, it's a different strategy, different rules, different way to play the game. And, you know, you just kind of step back and you see everybody else like just pedaling, 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 and just in all that, you know, nonsense. And you're just like, oh, thank God I'm not in that, right. you know. And you're not reinventing the wheel uh-huh. every, right. like you just said, every single month. Or I see it a lot where it's like, oh, I have to launch another program or, oh, I have to do another thing. Or, and there's a difference between diversifying your income streams and chasing it, <laughs> like you're saying, chasing it because you're not being strategic about the building wealth part of it. Yeah. And the more money we make again, when we don't know these numbers, it's just, it's such an illusion and high incomes are really deceptive when we don't understand how money operates and we don't understand these fundamentals because they make us feel rich, you know, and it boxes us into a lifestyle that really drains. Like I said, this, it boxes into this lifestyle drains us from our ability to make wealth and high incomes are the best wealth generators. That's what high income earners have over lower income earners. Yeah. Lower income or lower income earners can build wealth. There's lots of people that have not made more than 50,000 a year, but have been so diligent about that, that they're able to save enough money, invest it, grow that. And many times those low income earners, they might more money in their retirement years than they do there with the working years. Yes. Cause they've but, used it know, in a smart way. Exactly. They've leveraged so it. That. And yes. it's not, and again, to, to the points that we're making here, folks, is that it's a quality over quantity issue. Like you, and I like the fact that you said like the 50 K earners, right? So for anybody out there who looks on, you know, on social, like they're making a million, but they're really making 50, you know, you can look at it and say, guys, no, it's just the diligence. It's the little by little, a little makes a lot approach when it yeah. comes to money, but you have to know your numbers. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of people come to me and I will ask them, you know, well, what's your expenses? What is this? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I make this money. And I was like, it gets both ways, guys. Like put your CEO hat on for the love of God. (laughs) Yeah. And if your coach isn't coaching you on profit get another coach. Yeah. Agreed. Get another coach. Unless if you have a business coach, I mean, I just, it's one of those things like you're a business coach and you're not coaching on profit. Like, do you not understand that's what yeah, no, business that's is? what you're doing? That's what you're doing it for, you know? Right. And I think it, from a business strategy perspective, it's, it's really interesting. And sometimes I look at things as social experiments with clients is it's really interesting to me again, when I ask those money questions or, you know, when I hear entrepreneurs say it's mission, the mission means to me, not the making money part. And I was like, I literally said to somebody the other day, I'm like, well, how do you, how do you expect, expect to maintain your mission? Like, how are you going to do good? The more money you have, the more good you do folks. <laughs> like, so it's, it's something that can't be, you know, ignored. It has to walk in tandem with both. Yeah. And what I, when I hear that it's to understand again, there's just hard, there's just principles or, right. or, um, uh, that are just set in stone, so to speak. When you understand these, it changes things a little bit. And like, it's just a lot of the work that I do is just bringing awareness. None of, nothing that I teach is difficult, but it's right. like, 
huge like aha after aha after aha like how did I never know this how come this has never been taught like it seems so obvious but it's not obvious until it's obvious exactly but but one of those things is is to understand that there's only two types of businesses profit and (laughs) non-profit both of them are Mm mission-based so if you want to so if you want to be a nonprofit, then be a non, you know, be but an that's still need, nonprofit. You still need to make a profit on some level to keep it well, going, which is well, like the biggest misconception ever. That's another big misconception. <laughs> but even if, if you're a nonprofit, you're still in the fundraising business. Exactly. You're still in the making money business, guys. You're still in the making <laughs> money. But if you're going to be a nonprofit, if you're going to have a mission that's nonprofit, then at least make it nonprofit and go out and go, you know, do the 501c3 and, yeah. and do that and get some tax. But don't kid yourself. Just don't bullshit yourself. Like if you're, if you're mission based thing and you want to be a nonprofit, then go do it that way. But mm-hmm. don't think you're a business owner and you're building a profitable business and you're successful. If you're not generating the profit, it's, it's, it's not the same. So yeah. which one do you want to be? Right. So the missions are relevant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really your, dri- it's your driver, but it's, you're right. It's, it's rendered irrelevant if you're not making the money. Exactly. Execute and spread it. And I think for a lot of, a lot of people I've seen, like have this guilt around it. Like if I make money, you know, in like, um, how am I trying to say this? Like it's, it almost is contradictory to the mission. Like it's not right to make money off your mission. And I was like, okay. I, but again, to your point, it goes to asking those questions about where that mindset came from first. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, reinforcing, you can do more good when you have more money. (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of a thing guys like yikes <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's the it's the reciprocity as well yeah. is that I mean yeah. how we can bullshit ourselves is if I may if you know if I'm making money top line but I'm not making any money bottom line like we can yeah. Yeah. kid ourselves that hey I'm, I'm a business owner I'm an entrepreneur and you know and these things but it again, that's a bullshit story. If you're not making money at this, you're not a business owner. No, no, you're not a a business owner of a sustainable, profitable business, you know? So sometimes it's just getting straight to the truth. So then the question is, it's like, okay, for me to be a successful business owner, that's truthful with integrity and is, you know, doing something well, let me now figure out and we can all do it. But again, it's like, let me figure out how do I do this to be able to create this amount of profitability for the business mm-hmm. and, you know, serve this, you know, and able to live my purpose and my passion, my mission. Right. Right. You know, they're not, they're not mutually course. exclusive. You can't right. do right. I was on, I was taking a course recently where it's really funny. Um, he asked like, would you rather have happiness or money? Right. And of course, you know, a lot of people are like happiness, 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 you know, and he was like, okay, what are you going to do with happiness? And they were like, oh, I would, I would help this charity and I would do this. And he's like, with your time, how would you eat? <laughs> like, and it was just such an interesting conversation because by the end of it, everyone was like, oh, money, I, I should, I can have money and then I can give, and then I can do this and then I can do that. But happiness wasn't going to put food on your table necessarily. So it was a really just really interesting discussion to see people's reaction to. Um, all right. So what a good conversation. Anything, any kind of last points that you really want to drive home with our entrepreneurs listening? 
Yeah, I don't know. I think I think we've really hit the, the biggest takeaway is just to really understand that your business is not a wealth machine. It's an income machine. Exactly. And get great at business. Maximize that profitability. Pay yourself, you know, grow the business year over year on profit. You know, I can't tell you how many. I mean, I work with people's books, you know, and that's what I do. I, you know, when they go through my, 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 when they go through my school and we do our consultations, I see the numbers over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And what I see, because that's, these are the people that come to me, but I can't tell you how many business, you know, just entrepreneurs, especially women that are making somewhere top line between 500 and let's say 1.5. And they're not making any profit. Yeah. They're not paying themselves or every dollar that they make in the business, they're putting it back in. Right. And it just becomes, it's just, it's cannibalism. It's business cannibalism, but where it's just eating itself until there's nothing left basically at the end of the day. Yeah. So, you know, so again, year over year, the goal isn't to crease the top line is to crease the bottom line and build the strategy. And so if we go from 100,000 bottom line to 150, let's say to 250, now the intention is to move all, is not to keep the money back in the business, to move that money out of the business right. and then take profit first out of your household. They teach a concept that, you know, treat your household like business, like a business. Yep. And we, we take profit first in our household and live off everything else. And then obviously we, we invest that margin, but business and wealth is all created on the margins. So you have to know your margins. You have to know your money. And again, wealth is built in the household incomes built in your business. And remember they're very distinct. And then just, and then the final takeaway is if you're, you know, a lot of times I see entrepreneurs too, because they're afraid of the money, they're giving their books to their bookkeepers and say, just run me this or run me that, or to their CPAs. And I think as long as they're making the money, Everybody else can handle that. Nobody knows your money or cares about your money like you do. Right. As right. an entrepreneur business owner, business is the game of money. So just come to terms with that and get damn good at it. And then the bookkeepers are like administrators who work for you, like an administrative assistant on the finance side. They don't, they shouldn't be owning your books. Yeah, you they're not should. your CFO necessarily. No. You know, I think in that, that's a very big, you're, so spot on with that, where it's like out of sight, out of mind. Yes. But at the end of the day, you're the CEO, your role and your fiduciary responsibility to your business is to make money. And if you're just kind of, I don't want to look at it, somebody else's problem, you just give your business to somebody else. Yes, exactly. It's like, it's like having your babysitters, parents, or children. Yeah. It's like, no, I have a babysitter that helps occasionally, but yeah. They're not parenting your children. So your money is like a child. And it's like giving your money away to be parented by somebody else. It's like, no, you work hard for that money. Yeah. No. You're giving up your power, you know, exactly. And it's not, again, it's nothing against book. I, I love my bookkeeper and I love yeah. you know, my accountant and stuff like that, but they are complementary to you steering the ship folks. They are not, yeah. they are not in place of you not looking and knowing your numbers, which it just blows my mind. How many people don't, but yet you expect to be quote unquote successful, whatever that means at that time, time to you. Yeah, there's just this, you know, there's just a lot of fear or lack of confidence. Yes. Like I, I, you know, the bookkeepers know it better than I do or that. So it's just a takeaway again, is that if there's any takeaways here is to just make an intention and goal to get good with your numbers, to know yes. your profit, to work, to work 
kind of the opposite of the way we're working. Yeah. And to learn things about money, money, money is this equal part of mindset, like our narratives and relationships with money that we, we carry with us from a child. Most of us are still seven, seven to eight year olds with our money. Right. So it's uncovering those. What are the narratives and, and beliefs, things that I've carried as, as, as a children, what are those limiting beliefs? What are those narratives that just don't serve me that are keeping me trapped or mm-hmm. self-sabotaging? So that's the mindset piece. And we all have cleanup for mindset, like, you of know, course. sharing some of mine growing up. The second thing is money is a skill set. It's a life skill. Yes. And we're not taught this life school, this life skill in school. Right. So if you've never taken time to learn some of the basics with money, the likelihood of getting out of this money trap is very slim because you have to know what these written rules and laws are. And there's certain practices and systems that have to be in place to kind of change the trajectory of where we're headed. And so, you know, I just invite everybody to, to start reading some books yeah. Listen to these types of podcasts, take some programs like mine or yours and, and really invest time and money into getting good with money. Cause I mean, I claim like, is there any better place to learn something, you know, yeah. what's more important at the end of the day? Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you so much. So many great points. So many fantastic points. I feel like this is one of those episodes that, you know, I'm going to go back and listen to folks should listen to more than once, just so you can catch all the nuggets. Can you tell folks where they are able to find you so they can go seek you out? Um, I'd say just the, the best places go to Christina.com. I have some freebies there, free download of my book and some PDFs and other things. And that's just a K and two S's. So pretty easy to find. And, um, I do a free consultation, like what I call a money breakthrough call. That's a 45 minute call that if anybody just wants to have this type of conversation, we get pretty just quick on the numbers. And I listen in, it's, it's almost a little money therapy in many times, but I do that for anybody that has, um, it takes a lot of courage to call somebody you don't know out of the blue and start, right. you know, kind of opening up your money kimono, but it's, it's well worth it. And I offer those as well. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And I'm going to drop all of your links in our show notes for folks to to use and take advantage. And for those of you who are a member of my surviving entrepreneurship community, I will be dropping a link in there so you can, it's um, an amazing resource center that you have on your website that includes um, four simple steps to building wealth free and a free copy of her book and masterclass and, and just so many great things. So you'll definitely want to take advantage of that. I know I'm going to be taking advantage of that myself. Um, so, and again, thank you, Christina, for being here. It's been, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Michelle. So I just want to reiterate, you know, we covered a lot of ground in this episode, but one of the things that I found needed to be restated was that there is a difference folks between just making money and generating wealth, because it really does come down to, you know, you can make all the money in the world, but if you're not strategically using it and you're not kind of you know, putting that at the forethought and planning and understanding how to leverage what you have, 
then, you know, wealth is potentially out of your grasp. And um, who doesn't want a little wealth in their life? Because I certainly do. And I may actually re-listen to this episode because Christina dropped a lot of knowledge bombs in there. And on next week's episode, I am going to be wrapping up the Money Mindset Month with my guest, Lisa Holton. And Lisa is a money mindset expert as well as a business coach like me. So we are going to be having a fantastic conversation about how to remove kind of that lack mindset and some of the tips and tricks that she uses with her clients. So you won't want to miss it. And as always, if you love this podcast, please help us out and don't forget to subscribe, download, rate, and review. And you know, tell a friend because who couldn't use a little more resilience in their life, right? See you later. 